CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. I am Dave Biddle. I'm joined by Matt Baxendale. Hope everyone had a great New Year's. Happy New Year's to everybody. Um, happy New Year to everybody. Now, I think uh, maybe it'd be a happier New Year if Ohio State didn't embarrass themselves, then you know, Michigan didn't find themselves in the national championship game. But say uh, la vie. We'll get to, into this. Is going to be an interesting show because there's a lot of stuff going on right now and Bax and I are going to get into all that stuff before we do that we're going to get into factor meals a great deal you guys can get a message they have from you great company I'm a big fan get started on your resolutions with factor so you're ready for the new year factors ready to eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year skip the grocery stores prep work and cooking fatigue instead get fresh Chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, plus veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Forget frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factors two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your door. Factor now offers loads of snack options like breakfasts, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. All of their products that I've tried are very good and high quality, and I definitely recommend it to you guys. And they have a great deal for you. Head to factormeals.com bucknuts50 and use code bucknuts50 to get 50% off. That's code BUCKNUTS50 at factormeals.com slash BUCKNUTS50 to get 50% off. All right, let's bring in my guy, Matt Baxendale. Tell you what, man, um, what changes need made is the title of the show. I mean, let's let's start with the idea that um, it's been floating around there, and we've talked about it previously. I, I'll believe it when I see it. That Ryan Day, I believe, needs to be a, just a CEO. The best head coaches are CEOs. Um, you know, him trying to be head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, actually calling all of the plays during the games. I think he needs to bring in somebody to be the offensive quarter. But then what does that say for Brian Hartline? Hartline wouldn't like that. Um, would Day actually do that? Give up play calling, which is like his baby. I don't think he would. Okay, I, I gave my thoughts. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, if Ryan Day wants to be an offensive coordinator instead of a head coach, somebody can pay him to do that, a handsome sum of money that can actually, you know, we can we can find somebody else who can do the head coach job then. I, I hate to say it, 
there are very few coaches that call their own plays anymore. It's just the way it works. Go look at the successful programs out there. Is Jim Harbaugh calling plays right now? Is Kalen DeBoer calling plays right now? No, and they're both in the national title game. Kalen DeBoer has a $2 million offensive coordinator that calls the plays, right? Uh, the, the simple truth of the matter is, if you want to be the head football coach at a place like Ohio State, you have to have your attention and your uh, stamp, if you will, on every aspect of the program. So, you know, when your reputation as a program is, is that you're kind of soft and you just want to throw the ball everywhere and do super sweet, awesome throw around football. Um, you know, the, that reality is that comes back to an offensive coordinator who that's sort of his jam. And, you know, Ryan Day, as we've gotten further away from Urban's players, the program has had less and less of the nuts and bolts and more of the flash and pizzazz until he lets go of the play call. And I really don't think anything changes. Uh, I said this in the bucket of bullets this past weekend, every offensive coach by Heartline, and I know it's not necessarily fair, but when you have drastic times and it's time for drastic measures at this point, every offensive coach but Heartline needs to go in my mind. We need an entire shakeup of this program. Everyone needs to get uncomfortable. And the real question is, is with a retiring AD, does Ryan Day have any pressure on him to even do that? Is he willing to do that? And at the end of the day, if he doesn't do that, we're going to be sitting right here next year at this exact same time, having this exact same conversation. And that's a waste of time for everyone involved. Oh, so much to get into. Um, I will say this. I've heard people um, – I, mean, I, I can't believe some of the stuff that I'm hearing. First, I thought it was rumors. I, I don't really trust what I'm hearing. But now it's – I'm hearing from people that I trust profusely that some of this stuff is true. For example, I can't even believe this is like a real thing. Um not only were the practices light, both in Columbus for bowl prep and down in Dallas, I'm now told that they didn't even get all of their practices in. What? In Columbus. That they actually left a couple on the table. Like nothing nothing like crazy, but like you always hear like, oh, one of the best things about being in a bowl is you get those 15 extra days of practice. Well, I'm hearing they didn't practice 15 days. It was more like a total of if you both and both, it was like six and six or seven and six. That doesn't add up even with, uh, you know, Beaver Creek High School math, that doesn't add up to 15. So it wasn't like they got in like five practices, but they didn't get in all 15, I'm told. And they were very light practices. I'm telling you, man, I remember Chris Ash saying the day before the national championship game against Oregon, they were practicing tackling because of the yeah. rugby tackling. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still, you're still tackling. So there's, you know, a little bit of risks there. But how about get your guys ready for the freaking game? Enough of this love conquers all bullshit. Like, if you didn't even use all your practices, that's malpractice. That's un, uh, that's that's not doing your younger players a favor. Even if you look at it in the most friendly term possible of, oh, the guys are beat up and we were busy recruiting and the schedule was tough and you want to give every benefit of the doubt, you still have somebody run those practices because those are practices your younger guys need to develop. No wonder our younger players aren't getting on the field the way they should be. You're missing out on practice time. You're not even showing up. Like half of life is just showing up. And th that's right. ridiculous. They didn't show up for every practice because they weren't scheduled. Come on, man. That's unacceptable if that's true. And that's a that's that's a really bad thing for Ryan Day. I, I, I hate to say it, man, but like that is like you think Urban Meyer would have ever left a practice on the table? No. You think Jim James Tressel. Patrick Tressel would have ever left a practice on the okay. table? Now, you know who might have left the practice on the table? Go to hot tub commercials with John Cooper. 
So maybe that was maybe that might be one comparison. I hate to say this, guys, but Ryan Day is leaning hard into the he's the modern John Cooper. And if that's the I mean, if we don't have changes and like like my shirt says it, right? Time and change. Like it's that time at this point for some changes. And if Ryan Day, like I'm not sitting here calling for his head, but if he's not willing to make those changes, then yeah, I am. Because what we're doing right now is not working. And I don't want to hear this excuse of, oh, if we just made a field goal against Georgia. Oh, if we hadn't just given up a sack where Kyle McCord's or, or Kyle McCord had, had his arm hit against Michigan. This would be a totally different season. Well, those things happen. And you've lost three years in a row to Michigan. And you're making it like easy and bowl season. No wonder we look like monkey crap against Mizzou. Uh, that's absurd. So I'm sorry. But if that's true, we have a real problem on our hands here. Because love's not conquering all. Love's losing to Michigan in the bowl game. And you have former players coming out, and you can't say, oh, these are old guys, get off my lawn, guys. Not that I would even say that. If you played at Ohio State in the 60s and 70s, and, and you're a, you know, still follow the team closely, you know your stuff. I'm talking about guys like Gary on Conley was on social media yesterday talking about how. Um, some of the stuff he's hearing is just complete nonsense. And they're saying that, um, you know, some of the stuff like Ur Urban wouldn't, no, I'm not advocating bringing Urban back, um, but I'm, I, I am advocating some of his um, tactics. And you have guys like Gary on Conley, Mike Bennett. My point is these guys are not old guys. Okay. These guys yeah. were on the national championship team in 2014. Okay. That was less than 10 years ago. And geez, these guys aren't even 30 years old yet. Or if they are, they're barely 30 years old. Is not old man get off my lawn, like I said. So it's another thing I've noticed, man. It's not just Gary on Conley and Mike Bennett. It's like consistently with former players. And you have some former players that kind of just, you know, seem like they're loose cannons and would say anything. But you have guys that are level-headed guys, young guys. Like Mike Bennett's a great example of a younger, like level-headed, very intelligent yeah. guy who's like, this. some of this stuff is nonsense. It's like – and I used to not. I used to cringe when I hear about Ryan Day's running a country club over there. It's like, no, he's not. Um, is he urban? No. But man, I'm starting to buy into that a little bit more. Man, there's yeah. it's just too much of a country club over there from what I'm I'm hearing. Yeah, and like like you said, this is not like the guys in this from like the '70s when like Woody was allowed to punch people. Like this is he wasn't allowed to. He just no. Oh, I mean in practice, <laughs> anyway. he people in the stomach because he didn't think people were listening. Oh, you mean oh, Ohio State players? Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah. Like, he wasn't allowed to punch Clemson players. Just, like, like, there's all kinds of stories about, like, Woody, like, yes. you're not yes. being tough enough and punching him in the stomach going around in right. a circle. Like, I'm not saying that's what we need, right? But, like, on the flip side of it, if you are telling me that the guys who were there under Urban are sitting here going, guys, this is just – it's not good enough. We know what the standard is, and this isn't the standard, then I believe them. I saw a clip come out from something – one of, one of OSU seasons in the mid – 2010s and urban was the first day of practice and urban this is i just came across my timeline the other day and he literally goes guys this is the first day of practice you're all fired up and i saw a whole lot of average out there it's so easy to be average and we're going to push you because if there's a hint of greatness then maybe maybe we're going to find it and how cool would that be it is so easy to be average and right now what urban's Words are pretty prophetic right now for Ohio State because I hate to say it at a place like Ohio State where you can recruit and in your sleep bring in some of these elite players the way OSU is. 
10 wins is average at Ohio State. Average. Really, this year we had four competitive games by Ohio State standards. Maybe five if you want to say that Maryland was a pretty good team at the end of the day. But even if I, but the four that I look on, right, straight up, Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Mizzou. Those are the four games where Ryan Day makes his money this year. The rest of them are chaff. And at the end of the day, barely beat Notre Dame. Thank God Marcus Freeman's even more inexperienced than a head coach than Ryan Day at the end. Beat Penn State because James Franklin is the greatest choke artist of all time in big games. And then he lost the other two. So I don't know what else to say. We're average right now for what Ohio State should be. And it's so easy to be average. So it's time for Coach Day to try to find some of that greatness. And that means that he needs to be pushed and everyone else needs to be pushed. If this program's mantra isn't we're uncomfortable as all hell right now for the entire spring, for Harry, it is more like love conquers all BS. You know what gets conquered when you talk about love? Michigan beating us in games. That's simple. I wanted to get into Mick because I also had somebody that I trust very, very much tell me, listen, people that are critical of Mick, they don't know what they're talking about. And this is someone who absolutely would know what they're talking about. They said, this is, and this goes into what we're talking about, Bex. I was told this is not Mick's deal. This is not Mick's problem. It's not his fault. This is Ryan Day telling Mick to back off of the guys a little bit. I mean, how are you? How do you lose to Michigan two straight years? I'm not talking about this year. You lose to Michigan two straight years, and your idea is to back off. No, I realized that they were banged up at the end of last year, and they, you know, they did the load management. It was a philosophy. I get that, but like, I was told yesterday, listen, people need to get off Mick's back. This is Coach Day backing off the throttle. Same thing he did in bull prep, not, you know, having light practices, not getting all the practices in. I was told Carson Hensman said they got in just light practices. We'll talk about Carson Hensman in a moment. Trust me, my friends, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But, man, I heard that because I was thinking – I. but to show both sides of the fence, I also have somebody who uh, is very high up in the uh, industry of strength and conditioning who said, listen, Mick's a great guy, but – seems like a lot of his, his methods have passed him by. He hasn't really done a good job of keeping up um, with the time. So, you know, I'm hearing from two things. But I was told, I, I believe this 100% because of who told me, that Ryan Day literally told Mick, back off, the, you know, back it off a little bit with the guys. And I was like, that just blows my mind, man. Yeah, I think both are true, if we're being real honest here. Like, None of us wanted to believe the whole softness thing with Ryan Day and that he wasn't being as hard on the guys. And, you know, he's trying to be more of a modern players coach in an NIL-driven era with a transfer portal in place. Um, but, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I think he's not gone. He's gone past the point where, you know, you should back off the brakes. Do you need to be doing two-on-one mat drills like Urban was talking about? Maybe not. That probably wouldn't fly as much today. But there's still plenty of things you can do to push these guys to their limits to get the most out of them. Which, frankly, if I was the parent of a player and I was hearing that they were taking things easy on them, I'd be looking for other options for my player because the number one thing you want is for them to be able to get the most out of them. You come to a place like Ohio State, you want to go to the NFL. If you're not getting the most out of yourself, you're not giving yourself the best opportunity to go to the NFL. So shame on Ryan Day if that's the case. But the flip side of this is, too, Mickey marotti has been doing this for however long at this point. He's got some old school in him. And for all the science that continues to evolve in terms of player development and nutrition and all this other stuff, and you know, 
I, I got a son that's shifting into the that development stuff right now and just sitting down with some of these younger strength coaches that have had all kinds of different, um, you know, recent knowledge that they integrate into their training. It's nuts, some of the stuff that, that they talk about with different recovery periods and how you need to fuel yourself and all this other stuff. So if Mick's not up at the modern point in that, I could easily see that because he's been doing this for 20 years. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that time and change thing, I think it's equal parts of Ryan Day's probably not letting Mick go full out. But I also wonder, too, if it isn't one of those situations where a different voice wouldn't help. You know, I said that in the bucket of bullets. I said as much as I, I love Mickey Marotti and what he's done over the years, it may be time for a different voice in strength and conditioning. That's a more modern voice in strength and conditioning. Because, Dave, the proof, again, is in the pudding. Look at the last two years in the bowl games and the Michigan games, the full Cooper fail parts of the year. Uh, you have a defense that has not forced a punt in the fourth quarter of the last four Michigan and bowl games combined over the last two seasons. The only non-touchdown in that entire time period, if memory serves, Georgia-Missouri in the last two Michigan games in the fourth quarter was Mizzou kneeling the ball out. That's the definition of strength and conditioning, not keeping up with where it needs to be. Because if you're getting worn down in the fourth quarter, that's the first place you look. All right, let's get into it. Carson Hensman. All right. Jordan on YouTube. What was the specific reasoning that Day benched Hensman? Well, here's the thing. The company line is that he had the yips during, um, you know, he had some snapping issues during these light practices. Give me a break. I mean, my God. I mean, tell you what. Certain things happen where it's just like, listen, I mean, let, let your common sense take over. Do you tell me, I mean, do you guys really think that the starting center for 12 games, not that he tore it up or anything as a redshirt freshman, but still, you're going to bench him and the guy that I'm just making all the calls, you're going to put Matt Jones in there, who's never started a game in center. And then you're going to put in Enoch Vamahi, who looked like anybody. A matador. Else. You could have had a backup kicker out there. He wouldn't have played as bad as Enoch Vamahi. I mean, my goodness gracious, so that you you don't put your team in the best chance to win. And frankly, even as a media member, backs, I don't mind, you know, Ryan Day fibbing to the media because you, you have to as a coach. You do. But, like, also, that doesn't mean I have to believe it. Like, there's no way that's true. Zero chance. I'm not even giving it 1% chance that that's true. 100% Carson Hensman was suspended for this game. Ohio State will never say it. I don't care. Use your common sense, my friends. He was 100% suspended. You either have to believe he was suspended or you have to believe he started all 12 games and then going into the bowl game, they all of a sudden thought he had the yips for these light practices they were doing. Give me a freaking break. Go ahead, Bax. You want the biggest proof he was suspended is that uh, the first half that offensive line was a total train wreck and they didn't go back to the original configuration they ran with all year. They ran with a weaker version where the right guard was bad and the center couldn't make any pre-snap reads because he hadn't been doing it all year. Matt Jones taking snaps to center did not help his NFL stock, let's be honest here. That was one of the worst offensive line performances I can remember from an elite school like Ohio State ever. Uh, this is when people talk about program toughness or program softness being a tone set by the head coach, this is a prime example. Your guy went on a podcast with the NIL folks talking about how maybe we need a little more NIL help on the O-line. And, you know, we've kind of been doing light practices. And if you have a player that is uncomfortable with it, don't give me this keep it in the brotherhood stuff. I'm pretty sure he's probably been saying that already. 
So if he's had if he's coming out and he's just telling the truth, you don't suspend what was probably our best O lineman this year, even though he wasn't lights out. Hensman was perfectly functional as a young guy. He's one of the few recruiting hits we've had the last couple of years that's actually sort of lived up to or exceeded his potential in the O-line, which tells me, based on everything else we're seeing, it's a self-driven thing, not a byproduct of what the program has necessarily done for him. I mean, this is a four-star kid from the state of Wisconsin who come in, comes in with a pretty good mindset and wins a starting center job. But the reality is, if you have a kid like that, he's trying to hold us to an accountable standard. There's no accountability in a positive fashion if that kid is getting suspended for a whole bowl game. Like, it's the other thing. You could have just choked it up and said, all right, maybe he had a point and let him play the second half. The yips is a joke. All you're doing is trying to undermine that kid by saying that. That's absurd. At the end of the day, this is willingly not playing your best guys in a major bowl game that a lot of people spent a lot of time and money to go to. And between not running enough practices, not putting your best foot forward, this is malpractice. I don't know what else to say. I hate to say this. I don't take joy in saying this or calling for anyone's head. Like I know you don't either, Dave, but the standard at Ohio State is, is that you get the most out of your players, you hold yourselves accountable, and you beat freaking Michigan. And we're not doing any of that right now. That is the baseline here. And so Ryan Day, if he was watching this, if you sit in front of me right now, it's time to buck up, buddy. Let's go. Trying to hold yourself accountable. Maybe pull a little bit of Urban's playbook. He inherited all that culture from Urban, all those players from Urban. And his two best years were not without – there's zero doubt his two best years were the first two years where he still had all of Urban's guys. And since Ryan Day has really been able to put his footprint on the team, it hasn't been a footprint because he hasn't put his foot down on the team. He's let his foot off the gas. So it's time to put the pedal to the metal because this is still very salvageable. But you have to make the necessary changes. Otherwise, we're going to do the same damn thing again. We're going to have a lot of fun wins. We're going to beat Penn State because Franklin does something dumb. And then we're going to lose to Michigan. And we're going to lose in a playoff game next year. That's what's going to happen if he does not make the changes that need to be made. And that is the blunt truth. And at this time next year, if we have another full Cooper run of losing to Michigan and losing in the postseason again, then Mike Vrabel is going to be getting phone calls. Then Urban Meyer's name is going to be the first name on everybody's tongue in town who's not happy with Ohio State. So if those changes don't happen that need to get us to a spot where that is not the case on January 3rd of 2025, then what are we waiting for? That's the simple truth. This week better start with major changes for the Ohio State football staff. And if they don't come along, then we have some serious, serious, serious issues. And dare I say the word rot in the program comes into play. Yeah, as I've said on the, the show a couple of times back, it's like I want to like Ryan Day, and I do like him yeah. personally. He is a good man. He's a very mm -hmm. good man. He's a very good person. Great father, great husband from everything I've been told. Um, the mental is health thing is, is an incredibly important thing that he's doing. You know, I, I like Ryan Day the human. I used to call him yes. the smiling assassin because he was a, it was nice to see somebody be like, Oh, it's great to be out here. We're going to kill you, but it's great to be out here. That steel, though, underneath that smile is not there right now, man. Right. It's like something like changed. It's almost like I, I think you put this in the bucket. There was like pre-COVID and, and during COVID, Ryan Day. So his first two years in 2019 and 2020. And then there's post-COVID Ryan Day. And it's like, I don't know if the fire, something, you know, if it's as simple as the roster is not as talented. 
he's lost something, a little bit of that silent assassin or whatever, like a combination of both. I want to like him, but he needs – this is Ohio State. This is not, oh, I like, you know, it's just junior high football. Okay, he's not the greatest coach, but we really like him. He's good for the kids. No, 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 this is Ohio State. <laughs> like, give me a break. He needs to make some tough decisions, and he himself – He's so worried about, you know, being called soft and the team not being called tough. Well, you go out there and embarrass yourself. What do you think is going to happen? You have the worst offensive line performance that I've ever seen from an Ohio State team. Um, so time to buck up. Uh, it's also time to get with Omaha Steaks, our other sponsor on today's show. Love these guys. And they have a fantastic deal for you guys. Start off the new year with a bang of big savings during the Omaha Steaks end of season event. From perfectly aged tender steaks to juicy burgers decadent desserts and classic comfort meals every bite is guaranteed perfect i'm a big fan of their bacon wrap filet mignon their ribeye okay i love all their steaks i i started to name a few i really like all of them literally every steak they offer porterhouses you name it i consider myself a bit of a steak snob and these steaks are high quality for sure i also love their pork chops a lot of their side dishes and more omaha steaks is great stuff and i highly recommend it to you guys for a limited time, get 50% off site-wide, plus you'll save an extra $30 when you use promo code BUCKNUTS at checkout. OmahaSteaks.com. Use BUCKNUTS at checkout. Every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee. Head over to OmahaSteaks.com and score 50% off site-wide today and use promo code BUCKNUTS to get an extra $30 off your offer. Extra $30 off your order, excuse me. How about that? So, Bax, you get over to Omaha Steaks. You you load up on $200 worth of steaks and whatever else, you know, and then you get 50% off that. You're down to 100 bucks, and then you get your extra 30% off using the code BUCKNUTS. You're spending 70 bucks for $200 worth of food. I love it, man. You know, with how much groceries cost today, that's a really good deal. That's really good. <laughs> I got a kid who's supposed to eat his weight per day in grams of protein, so um, I'm I'm ordering it right now. <laughs> there you go. He's going to need the porterhouse. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the biggest one they got. All right. Um, is there any good news to report? I don't know. Not yet. Uh, we're still waiting on what staff changes might or might not be made. I am sure there will be staff changes. I don't know. I think Parker Fleming's on his way out. There's some smoke about some other guys. Um, but I want to talk about portal guys. Like I'm hoping Will Howard, we get some Will Howard news soon. And I, I – I was asked, is it imminent that he's coming to Ohio State? And I said, no, it's not imminent, but I would say it's more likely than not. And it feels yeah. like something's going to happen soon with Will Howard. I think he'll be a Buckeye, but um, – and again, I don't think he'd be like some savior backs, but I'd still still think he'd be good for this 2024 Ohio State team. Your thoughts? Well, based on what we saw, which is difficult to judge in the last bowl game, that being that the O-line was so bad that Devin Brown, you know, tweaked an ankle almost right away, and then Lincoln Keenholz had to run for his life the whole game. Uh, I think he had three plays. He got to set his feet, and he completed all three passes. But, uh, you know, Will Howard, I think, is a guy at this point in time, it's very clear that Ohio State's most talented quarterbacks are going to be their two youngest guys next year, and we need that bridge year at quarterback. It's clearly become a very – it kind of started with Justin Fields and Joe Burrow, to be real honest, the transfer quarterbacks that sort of led the way here in this modern era, and now it's everybody. It seems like all these quarterbacks uh, that have a ton of success as older players in college football are on school number two. And 
next year having a guy who's a 50-year guy like Will Howard is going to be, I think, an advantage. Because, Dave, if you look around the country this year, there are a lot of teams with, like, a bunch of 60-year seniors. It's the last dregs of the extra COVID year, guys. And it's fascinating. Like, Michigan is, what, 44 seniors or something absurd this year? So this is going to be something for OSU when we do have a much younger team next year, having a, a an upper-class guy, a, like an older guy under center. I think that's a big advantage. So at this point, I think Will Howard in 2024 is going to be better than whatever our other options are in-house in 2024. And that's a one-year stopgap. It doesn't affect your quarterback recruiting whatsoever. After Will Howard, it'll probably end up being Keenholz and Nolan for the job in spring of 25 that we'll all be watching closely. If Tavian St. Clair enrolls early, that'll be an interesting wrinkle. But that's, I think, what Ryan Day needs to do to bridge this gap that we have a quarterback right now. You know, unless Quinn Ewers decides to transfer back to Ohio State because Arch Manning needs to play for Texas. I don't know. But at the end of the day, we do need a stopgap quarterback uh, for Ohio State for next year. And while we're in the portal, let's go snag some offensive linemen. Um, I think that's, that would really, really help. In fact, you want my opinion more than anything? We need linemen more than we need quarterbacks. I'll take Keenholz with the schedule we have next year. If you tell me we get two good, two more good elite linemen in front of them, I think that's more important than an elite quarterback. But I think Will Howard's still probably better than what we have in the quarterback room, at least for one season. We're going to end the show with that. We were going to anyway. Nice segue, my man. You didn't even know that. Um, nope. Spider Sillery on YouTube. I've had this start for a while because I wanted to finish the show with this one. Speaking of the portal, we wanted to talk about Will Howard. I agree with you. Getting Will Howard would be good, but like you beef up this offensive line, even maybe true freshman Aaron Noland um, could get the Buckeyes to the promised land. Or yeah, I mean, it could be one of the in-house guys. I, I still think the if I was doing a, a parlay of sorts, I would say the most likely scenario is Will Howard will be the starter in 2024 and second year player Aaron Noland will be the Buckeye starter in 2025. But let's get to this. Spider, will the Buckeyes get some O-linemen via the portal? They better. Yes. <laughs> Yes, they will. Now, are they going to get Vic Cutler and Josh Simmons again? Or are they going to get maybe a Josh Simmons as the second guy and then another good? Or are they going to get just one really good one? That might be all they need. If they can get all they need. If they can get one really good tackle, by really good, I'm talking like Jonah Jackson level. Even yeah. though Jonah was a guard, a guy that's not going to be – but he was like, you know, first round. He's probably not going to transfer here. But a guy that can be like a solid all-Big Ten player – maybe like around a third-round pick in the NFL. They can get a guy like that to play tackle. Come him in, let him in, come in, be the right tackle. Move Josh Fryer to right guard or replace Josh Fryer with Tegra or somebody else, Montgomery, whoever, or another guy from the portal. But, yeah, I think they will get somebody from the portal or more, but they need to do a better job than they did last year, Bax. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Vic Cutler came in as a, I think Vic Cutler was what exactly what he was supposed to be, which was if Hensman can't do the job, this guy at least is serviceable. Uh, so let's, let's hope that he can be serviceable. But apparently not. Like apparently if Hensman gets suspended, they're just going to be like, eh, let's get Enoch Vamahi in there. Yeah, I know. Right. Of all the names you expected to see in there. That's the other thing, by the way, that pissed me off, Dave. Are you telling me that it wouldn't have been better for the future of the program to slide Fryer to guard and put Luke Montgomery at right tackle in that right. game? That at least is like we yes. we wanted to give a young, talented, high-level player the opportunity to play in a big bowl game because he didn't get to during the season. And we got Josh Fryer some video here. Like that, that, that. This is every part of that is stupid. Like, I'm sorry, that's just stupid. 
Like if you you could have easily said Tegra or Luke Montgomery, get him in there. I mean, these are two, the two highest rated offensive linemen in our last couple classes, and they haven't been on the field. Tegra couldn't make it on the field because he and Zen Mikulski were so bad in the spring. They decided it was time to bring in Josh Simmons. So okay, that's fine. That like Simmons wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great. You know, you can see what what his limitations were. He didn't come in as some monster road grader. Uh, you know, Donovan Jackson's been fine. He's not lived up to that number seven in the country hype. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Hensman's a guy who's going to keep getting better at center. You know, everybody, we all were worried about Luke Whippler leaving. I think it surprised everybody. So Hensman did well in that role. Uh, Matt Jones, look, he's a six-year senior. It was what it was. We got to fill that spot. Josh Fryer was okay. You know, I think the last couple of years he's been okay. Has he been great? You know, there's, he's not at the one Jones. He's not a Paris Johnson. None of these guys are. And this, this is a significant step back on the O line. Yeah, I would take like I would take like somebody who's like half as good as Paris Johnson. <laughs> That's how good yeah, he, right? he, might, he might make the Pro Bowl as a rookie. I can tell you this too, Dave, with O line, and we haven't mentioned the name Justin Fry yet, who I personally don't think should be back. Um, a good recruiting strategy at Ohio State on the offensive line is not to sit and hope Paris Johnson pops up every couple of years in the state of Ohio. You don't get those more than like once a decade, you know. And at the end of the day, if Paris Johnson pops up in Ohio, you better hope he doesn't pop up in Toledo and Michigan steals him out from underneath us either. So uh, this is a real serious thing. At the end of the day, do I like for our current class? You know, I think the Armstrong twins are better than their ranking. Yes, I do. I agree. I think they're better than their ranking. I think that they should have been in the top ten in the state of Ohio. But yep. again, you know. Uh, maybe they'll come in with a little bit of that dog in them about being, you know, held down a little bit in terms of recruiting rankings. But that doesn't you, – you shouldn't it's, – it's not easy to just re- recruit players out of high school and tell them to play on the O-line as freshmen. That's very difficult to do. So, uh, at the end of the day, the, the guys you have here are the guys that need to make a big difference. That That is the Tegra. That is the Luke Montgomery. That is all those guys. And if they're not doing their job – Part of this is maybe they aren't as good as we thought, but maybe they're not being developed the way they need to be either. And when you're only having six practices in Columbus before you go off to a bowl game, that's a bad sign about what that development looks like. We don't know what they're doing in the dark. But if, if Carson Hinsman's on podcast talking about how maybe we're not doing enough in the dark, then maybe we better get to work. Truth hurts. It sounds like they suspended him for – no, I do get that he – you know – Loose lips sink ships. He was very loose lipped. I get that. But like suspend, like Steve had the perfect thing to suspend him for a quarter. That gets the point across. Yeah. You're going to sabotage your team by putting Enoch Vamahi out there. And Matt Jones was a serviceable right guard. He looked terrible at center. He Jim didn't was, seem to know anytime there was a free runner lined up wide of his tackle. It's a seven on five. That's where you're like, hey, get the tight end in here. You know? <laughs> It's like, just why don't you just wave the white flag? Just go out there and have, instead of having the Buckeye, the big O flag, just got, just have a white flag if you're going to do that bullshit. Dave, it's not hyperbole to say that there were multiple plays by Missouri where the free runners just had a straight sprint at the quarterback. It's not hyperbole to say that you could have dumped you or me on the field and we would have had a shot at a sack in that game on the Mizzou defense because the coverage pickup was so bad. I mean, the, the, it was literally like, and I'm Keenholz, snap, run! Like, like that was like the worst offensive line performance. But you know what it reminded me of? Remember that famous picture of the Michigan O line where all four Ohio State linemen are behind them, 
and uh, Henny's trying to hand the ball to Mike Hart, and all four of the defensive linemen for Ohio State are already past their blocks. That's what that reminded me of that game. The Vernon Golston, I believe Vernon Golston appears in that that uh, picture. That was the year Vern had like 12 or 13 sacks or something crazy. He had a great year. It was the 10th pick in the draft, I think, right after that. Higher than that. He ended up being a bust. And yeah, I think he was, I think the Jets took him like fifth overall or sixth. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But that's, you want to talk about the, who do we just compare the line to? We compared it at peak Michigan losing streak. 07 Michigan was in the midst of them winning one game in 10 years. And that's the best comparison I have for our O-line in the bowl game. Time to get to work, guys. Not good. Get uncomfortable. Yep, seriously. I mean, Ryan Day, I mean, he's you know, nice guy. He gets paid about $10 million a year. It's time. It's time to make some tough decisions. All right, great stuff from Bax. Thank you, Matt Bax and Dell. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.